Uh, my name's Caleb. I'm a ship fitter at Bath Ironworks. The summer, the heat, it's just hot, miserable. You got a respirator on, hard hat, face shield, safety glasses fogging up. I uh, can't see clothes get drenched in sweat. So it just makes it all, it makes the regular hard job even harder. I just like working with steel and working on big things, thick, thick metal, heavy structural work. It's just, it's a manly job and I like it. I'm Hopper. And I'm Heather. We are the creators of a project called Southgate Bases, in which we photographed and interviewed 65 shipbuilders at Bath Ironworks in Bath, Maine. This is a podcast about the project. Southgate Voices. <laughs> Damn it. This is number four, and you're still not getting it right? Southgate Voices <laughs> podcast numero quattro. Wow. Yeah. I like the Latin influence. Four. Number four. Here we are on four. Uh, and today we've got Caleb Black. Caleb Black, one of our two Calebs. Yep. Although this Caleb is with a C. The other it's one a is generational with a K. thing, right? Caleb? Yeah. I guess so. How many Calebs did you go to school with in the 80s? None, but I have a cat named Caleb now. Yeah. <laughs> no Calebs in the 80s. Um, today, uh, Caleb. I love the things that Caleb had to say. I know. <laughs> they were good. <laughs> yeah. And this is going to get us talking a little bit more about these jobs. Yeah. And what they're like and and the surprises that you and I had. Again, there's this there's this push pull here where Caleb is going to be talking about the heat of the summer and how absolutely miserable it yeah. is. Yeah. Some things that sound actually fairly unpleasant and uncomfortable. Yeah. And yet Loves his job. Loves his job. It kind of goes along with, you know, the saying that um, that some of the some of the most rewarding things in life are difficult. Yeah. Right. Amen. Hard doesn't totally like hard doesn't mean bad. Right. Right. Um, and I think what's maybe happened to a lot of us humans, we humans, is that we have so many comforts now. Yeah. Right. From I mean, I, sometimes I'll be driving my car and be like, I'm a little hot. And I'll turn, I'll literally, literally turn the digital thermostat yeah, right. from 70 to 69. That's right. And I remember, you How know, ridiculous is that? It's totally ridiculous. And I remember as a kid, you know, driving in my uh, mother's little VW Bug, right, in the summertime. And the only way to cool it off was to roll the windows down, which then meant, you know, it was loud and windy. And, yeah. But that was like, wow, we have a car. Yeah. So these, these, uh, we've gotten soft is what you're saying. I, 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 I'm not going to use the word soft, but we have all these comforts. And I think a lot of us, and we see this on swim vacation a lot when people get out and they're, and they're exerting themselves every day. Yeah. Right. Um, in a physical way Mm -hmm. and they feel awesome. Yeah. It changes something, right? When we, when we literally get out of our comfort zone. It's yeah. actually literal. Yeah. Right? We, we do all of this stuff to keep ourselves from being bored and to keep ourselves from being uncomfortable. But I'm not sure when we learned that was bad to yeah. be bored or uncomfortable. Right. Like even something like just like getting underneath your car to change the oil. Sure. You know, we like 
I stopped doing that even. Well, but hold on about that because I, I agree with you. But at the same time, it's also important to let people do their jobs. Yes. So it's great that there are people that have jobs changing the oil in cars. And if everybody changed their own oil, then that job goes away. Then we don't need that. Right. So I, I, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time... The only reason I stopped, by the way, is because you can't get to the, to the um, filter anymore <laughs> unless you have a lift and, or a contortionist. Not because you're way too busy? That too. Let's listen to some Kelly. <laughs> My name's Caleb. I'm a ship fitter at Bath Ironworks. Anytime you want. Okay. Uh, my name's Caleb. I'm a ship fitter at Bath Ironworks. And how long have you been working here, Caleb? Just under a year and a half. And then we're going to wait for Heather um, for a second here because then she's going to take some photos while you're speaking. Okay. And I emphasize there while you're speaking. Right, right. Because this is the point in our project where I think it was. we had gotten a, we had done a couple of days there this is October 14th so this is like our second or third third or fourth time there and we realized that we were getting better photos if you were taking them while they were talking while they were speaking so initially we did it where I was taking pictures and then I stopped and then you were recording them and the the photographs were very static they were kind of flat yeah they were really cuz everybody was sort of just like staring at the camera and kind of looking uncomfortable and feeling uncomfortable. But then you started taking them while right. I was photographing them. And one downside to that that really wasn't in the end was that you could hear the clicks. Right, you could hear the click you of my hear the shutter, shutter. Right, of my camera. Um, but that it turns out that that kind of just lent context to what we were doing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, mind. and people are mixed about that, right? People, yeah. they either love it, hate it, or don't notice it. The reality it. is you wouldn't have gotten the emotion on their faces. Totally. And what we were doing is... As we were interviewing them, we were actually putting them back into yes. those spaces on the boat. That's right. Into the tight space or onto the boat or shoveling snow or that's in right. the heat. And that was showing on their faces. And that's what you were capturing. And that's, that's right. why the So it did, like it that. did. It did several things. Number one, it made them forget about the camera, mm-hmm. right? All together. Number two, well, in theory. Yeah, and number two, so. like you say, they're inhabiting this headspace of right. talking about the work. And then number three, it was helpful because as we discussed earlier, we had maybe three minutes with each person, right. including getting them to sign a model release. Yeah, so it was efficient. So it was totally well. efficient, too. Yeah. So And it just allowed us to let them get out a li- even a little faster. More of him. And I'd ask you more questions to have a conversation with you. I can hear you in the background. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what am I doing? You're talking back there? some you're talking somebody into it. Oh, I'm talking yeah. somebody else to come in the yeah. booth? Yeah. Yeah. Always on the hustle, me. That's right. I think I'm gonna drop this down. Okay. Several little equipment yeah, tweaks for yep. the height of each person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Caleb's name, occupation, and just like being a ship fitter. Uh, I just like working with steel and Working on big things, thick, thick metal, heavy structural work. It's just, it's a manly job, and I like it. What's cooler than that? What's cooler than that? You fell in love with that the second you said it. It's a manly job, thick, and I love it. Thick, I like thick it. metal. Thick metal, heavy things, big things. It's awesome. It's really cool, yeah. And, and, and um, Caleb was about how old? Do you remember? It oh, he's 20s. 20s. Yeah, he's 20s. Early, probably early 20s. Yeah. Um, uh, this makes me um, 
think a little bit about the difference between this kind of job, this kind of industrial job. Um, uh, it's like industrial manufacturing, heavy manufacturing, right? I mean, it yeah. doesn't get much heavier than a yes. boat. Yes. Um, and and the other, and, and in a place where you don't have an opportunity for a job like this, a lot of the jobs that remain um, are retail. That's true. That's right. Um, a lot of the sort of un what specialized jobs or on yeah a lot of them are some are unskilled but but they're still like you know electricians and plumbers and absolutely they stuff ex- like that those but, exist, but they're they're fewer but we don't between. have factory jobs anymore not as many not, not as, as many. many we have we have paper mills in Maine not, with some skilled not as jobs. many <laughs> certainly not as many yeah um but a, a lot of the jobs that are you know readily available to people here in Bath you, you've got the shipyard <laughs> that's and, right and a lot of people can work there if you're out in Western Maine or in your, or in New Hampshire. You basically, you, there are a lot of skilled trades. Like can, there's some construction, yeah. and there's there's plumbers, HVAC, that kind of stuff. But the bulk of the jobs are in, are in retail. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're, you're a clerk, and if you compare like a, a job like Caleb's, where he's putting large pieces of steel together and feeling very satisfied about that, right? Well, how does that compare to cutting open a box and, and stocking a shelf or folding shirts? Yeah. I'll leave that. I hand. don't know. I mean, we can't also assume that people in retail no, some people, don't, don't like their jobs. I'm sure some people love it. Some people may love it. There's also an opioid ad- epidemic in New England, and I'm not sure that... What does that have to do with retail? I'm not sure that some of the lack of opportunity, like we have at Bath Ironworks, uh, leads to... Well, it's the collision. I I, I hear what you're saying um, because I, I, lack of purpose always yeah. leads to abuse of things that we shouldn't abuse, right? right. But um, I would say it's probably the collision of lack of skilled labor jobs mm-hmm. or skilled, excuse me, the lack of, yeah, the lack of factory jobs mm-hmm. and um, the lack of access to affordable higher education also, the lack of jobs that are for people with a classical five, four-year mm-hmm. higher education. Who leave. Who leave, right? So, right. so my point is that, um, you know, you either go into the trades or you go get this four-year education, upper higher education, mm-hmm. that doesn't, that no longer guarantees you're going to have a job. Mm-hmm. You, you come out sure. with a philosophy major and you're not going to have a job. Sure. Right? So, um, so it's not simply the lack of factory jobs available because we've also been hearing that there are plenty of skilled labor jobs available. Right. What's not available are the people to the do people them. people to do them, right. But there is this, I think the opioid epidemic was largely, and this didn't start you know, this year started five years ago when or more when when there was very little hope in rural area, in rural America. True. Um, so I, I think it's also important to say that there's not not just one factor. Absolutely not that that created the opioid epidemic. Absolutely not. But when you listen to to this job satisfaction, somebody like Caleb here has. Yeah. You have to think that that this is a guy who's like was very satisfied with his life and his purpose. Let's see what else he has to say. What's hard about it? Uh, the summer, the heat, and nothing ever fits right, but we always get it in, you know? Talk to me more about summer. It's just hot, miserable. You got a respirator on, hard hat, face shield, safety glasses fogging up. I uh, can't see, you know, 
um, clothes get drenched in sweat. So it just makes it all, it makes the regular hard job even harder. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to point out, <laughs> this is probably the only place in Maine where summer is miserable. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like the only place in Maine that's too hot. Really? <laughs> this year we had like a week and a half. We did. We actually had some brutal um, yeah. summer the summer. But they're wearing coveralls. Oh, yeah. And hard hats. Hard hats, face shields, everything yeah, you said. And the, and the spaces they work in yeah. tend to be hot and it's not air conditioning. Never mind the, the welders who yeah. like blow torches also. Yeah. Right. Um, and he calls this a hard job. He does. He says it makes yeah. a hard job harder. Harder. There he is every day getting up and loving his job. But he oh, loves love it. Working. He loves his hard job, even when it's harder. <laughs> love it. Talk to me about um, uh, working with a crew and what, what is that important? What, is that, what does that mean to you to work with the crew? Oh, it's cool. You get to know the guys, get to have jokes, and they ask how your life's going and stuff. So... It's cool. It's cool to have like a work family, I guess. Um, we've been building ships here for hundreds of years. Can you sort of feel that history here? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You can feel there's a heritage going on, especially in this little area of Bath itself. That's kind of cool. I mean, here he's what twenty something, and he's talking about feeling the history of shipbuilding in this town. Yeah. Or the heritage. Yeah. It's a word you don't hear many twenty-somethings use. No, it it, it is um, it is apparent when you're in when you're in Bath, and you know he's working with guys who's has have stories about their grandfathers building ships yeah, and their great grandfathers building ships. Yeah. I was originally born in Virginia Beach, but we Virginia moved here Beach. when I was around eleven, and then I live up in Auburn. So, what did the completion of the Zoom Waltz mean to you? Uh, well, when I got here, it was kind of finishing up, so to speak. But then I helped out on the water uh, when I was loaned out to Department 09, getting it ready for trials. So it was cool to be on board, and it was pretty crazy looking shit. Pretty crazy to see it go down the river. Um, Do we want to talk a little bit about what the Zoom Alt is? Let's. Let's. Stealth, the world's first stealth destroyer. Stealth destroyer, one of the most, the world's most technologically advanced warships. Yeah, it's basically, um, it's it's run on, it's an electrical, it produces electricity first. It's it's run on like two AA batteries, right? Yes, (laughs) exactly. Lithium batteries, two AA lithium lithium batteries. Rechargeable. Yeah. Okay. So basically it's a power plant and they produce electricity and the electricity runs the boat instead of like having a massive diesel engine right. or two or three that run that directly run the propellers it produces electricity first and it right and then and it could it can um the, with the amount of electricity it produces and I don't, I'm not going to have all the stats off the top of my head we probably should have like done a little more research but these are the things we know R- roughly yeah it can it can like power a small city right also it's it it does then so then it powers itself fairly silently which is part of right i believe yeah Quietly. i believe that would be part of it yeah and and from what i understand but i'm not sure it's also a very peculiar shape it, it sort of has this angular squared off submarine look to it it looks more like something like a pyramid it looked like some like one like the merrimack or the one of those boats built in the 1860s um, around the Civil War, it has a similar profile to those. Except it does much bigger. And from what I understand, um, 
the stealth piece is that it it actually throws the profile of like a small fishing vessel. Yeah. So here's this enormous warship cruising around, but if you were to look on the sonar or radar or whatever R it is, you'd see something that looks like um, it's just a small little fishing vessel. Yeah, like on Battleship, it would be just the two-peg thing. The two-pegger, not the four-pegger. Not the four-pegger, the five-pegger, right. And so here we are in this tiny little, you know, hamlet of Bath, Maine, yeah. building these um, completely new and advanced warships. Yeah. Is anybody else building the Zoom wall? No. I don't um, think so. I think they were started Parts out in Mississippi. It. Parts of it. Yeah. Like the base, the, the bottom was built in Mississippi right. and then it was brought up like here the to, top or, yeah, to, yeah. to put the top on or something. Um, but they do, I think most of the technical work's done here. Yeah. And... Um, so it's actually pretty unusual that, you know, you and I have stood in the street and watched one of these things go down the river. Yeah. We've, we've laid eyes on it. Yeah, not many have, I guess. I guess and then not. When it went, remember when they were doing the trials in Portland Harbor. Yeah, this is great. There was like a lobsterman had a heart attack. Captain of a lobster. Captain of a lobster boat had a heart attack. And the closest vessel was the $4 billion Zoom wall. <laughs> And it was required, like, by maritime law. You have to go. You have to help. Right. And they had, I think at the time, they had helicopters on it and everything, or did they send a boat out? No, I think I, I think they went and picked him up, and the New York Times called it, I thought it was $6 billion, but the New York Times called it the $6 billion ambulance ride. That's right. <laughs> so, so they picked up this captain having a heart attack, and they delivered him, I guess, to a Coast Guard vessel. Right, and then to Maine Med. I don't think they pulled right up to Maine Med. Oh, well, <laughs> they could just about, maybe. about. <laughs> And then, and he survived. He's doing great. He did. He's doing great. And yep. what a story he has to tell. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> but as you mentioned, the, the when you when you combine all the um, the design costs and the construction costs, went a little bit over budget. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what um, one of the 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 big things about the electricity generation was that they were going to perhaps have these rail guns oh. on the boats, and those are like the really big guns. And they are um, really accurate. Oh. And they are electrically driven. Really? Yeah. So, like, they need electrical power to work. They're, um, they're very, they're futuristic type things. I see. Anyway, like, one projectile, um, when they were planning on building, like, 30 of these things. 30 of the Zoom walls. Of the Zoom walls. Or the 1,000 class, right? Yeah, 30 the, of this class. Yes. Um, the projectiles for the railgun oh, were right. projected to cost, like... I don't know, X, $100,000, like something ridiculous. Per bullet. Per bullet, but not crazy. Yeah. But then when they started thinking, "Mm, these boats are kind of expensive, (laughs) let's just build three of them. (laughs) Um, The guys making the bullets came back to them and said, "Uh, yeah, about the $100,000 per bullet, it's going to be more like um, a million or a million point three or something like that. Wow. Yeah. And... So, so they never installed the railguns. Oh, okay. on these, yeah. And subsequently, we're only making three of these Zumwalts, and then going back to the Arleigh Burke class. That's right, thing. which they're also making at the same time. Yeah. Another interesting distinction about the Zumwalt is that um, it is, it's an enormous vessel, but it only has a crew. It runs with a crew of like 125 or yeah. something, as opposed to the hundreds and hundreds that normally run a vessel of that size. Right. Um, because it is so much of it is automated and yeah. it's so technologically advanced. And another thing that I'm just remembering now, when we talk to like some of the welders and electricians in particular, 
they were saying that one of the things they didn't like about the zoom wall is that the insides are very complicated. Like because this thing is so, um, kind of interestingly put together that, um, what did that one guy say to us? It was sort of like, if you want to, if you want to go from your kitchen to your bedroom and you have to go through the bathroom, um, cabinet, like the medicine yeah. cabinet. Yeah, that's right. Right. Whereas like the early Burks are streets and alleys, mm-hmm. um, all making sense streets and avenues. The zoom wall, you have to go like up to go down and around and through a corner and then right. through a little cabinet. That. So they're actually really difficult to, um, talk about making a hard job harder. It's really difficult to work inside these things because of the way they're put together. And there's no windows. And there's no windows. Yeah. Um, it's just this gray hulk on the river. Just a big gray hulking mass. Yeah. If you want to see pictures of that and photos of the shipbuilders themselves, uh, southgatefaces.com. Um, and also, if any of the um, facts that um, Heather and I are spewing out here are inaccurate, and I'm sure many are, um, we're trying our best. We're doing, we're doing our yeah, best. Yeah, this is conversational. This isn't like, we're not, we're not giving technical specs on these things. Right. This is like We're having stuff, conversation. Yeah, this is stuff of interest. Talking about um, our project but mostly. If you, but if you do want to like give some feedback on that, um, I think you can comment on our podcast on southgatefaces.com. Um, and if not, let's make sure we get something up there so people can refute our, um, <laughs> why our you, facts. Why don't you give them your email? I don't think so. Really <laughs> Although it's not, I think our emails are on the... My email is, <laughs> not yours. Okay, perfect. So uh, look for Heather's email and you can uh, oh email her if, oh, uh, with any... Um, Great. Uh, let's, let's finish this up. Let's finish Caleb up. Okay. How do you feel about the loss of the Coast Guard pick? Not worried about it. All right, I'm going to turn this off. That was it. So that was, it was interesting that he said that. So um, just to give a little context, at the time, uh, the Bath Ironworks had lost a $10 billion Coast Guard ship bid. Yep. That they actually, again, we might be totally wrong on the details about this, but I think we're not completely wrong. They had built a building in preparation to hopefully receive this bid. Yeah, I think by building those those um, those units the new, all the way at the south end here, that's right. Um, it would have allowed them to build more in different kinds of ships, in, adi- in addition to the zoom wall. That's but, right. Yeah. So it's not that they're not using those buildings, but they did sort of build those buildings to make themselves more attractive to win this Coast Guard bid, and then they lost it. And right. so when we were doing this project, they were just come when we started the project, they were just coming off this loss of a right. ten billion dollar bid. And um, so, and this was, of course, before the election. So, but we were asking um, some of the guys how they felt about it. And I thought it was interesting that Caleb, who'd only been working there a year and a half, sort of said very quickly, not worried about it. Yeah. And I don't know if that was him trying to make himself feel better or if he genuinely wasn't worried about it. It, it seems like the, the mood when we, were, when we were there, the mood in the yard from, from most people, especially guys that have been there for a little while, mm-hmm. were like, I think one guy said, uh, they're always talking about how that's right. they're going to they're gonna shut down and get smaller. I've only seen this place get bigger. And that's if you right. think about it, that's true. It's really true. Like everybody frats and worries every time um, a bid comes up and there's a win or a loss. But really, at the end of the day, this shipyard has never closed. They yeah. do have layoffs from time to time. But what we've also heard from um, the people that we spoke to, that the company tends to be pretty good about when they can hire back, hiring back from yeah. the people they laid off first. Well, it's, it's, it, I've thought about this a lot. You know, this is like a, the shipyard is like part of our 
national defense is to have these shipyards. We can't exactly build these boats in Taiwan. Right. Right. Or anywhere. Or anywhere else but the US. It's just we couldn't let them. If if this were if you're a cruise ship, if you're a cruise line, if you're Holland right. America, right. you don't build your boats in Maine. I guess not. You could. I mean, we have the we have everything they would need. We have deep harbors. Sure. We have the workforce. We have the technology. It would be way too expensive. Yeah, I guess and so. And if the Navy didn't have any worries about secrecy, yeah. if, if, if costs were the only object, yeah, yeah. you'd build this thing in India or Vietnam or, or somewhere guess. where it was cheap. I guess that's true. Yeah. So we will, we will never export these jobs. No, and it's and it's one of the reasons that this it's a bit of a throwback of an industrial job. It sure is for us, um, because at one time we were making steel, for instance, right in in the United States. We still do, but much to a much lesser extent. Um, and that job could be supported by the industry and right. by the, the global trade, but now not so much because you can make steel cheaper around the globe. Sure. In the same way, you can you can make large vessels much cheaper around the globe. Mm-hmm. We just can't we because can't because, of the, because because it's, we're keeping secrets. We <laughs> it is a secretive uh, yes. secretive place. Hence this whole project, right? Hence this whole project. It's a secretive place over there. You can't just walk in and say, say "Hey, get ready. What's going on? What are you guys doing?" No, you can't do that. And so we did not know who. Um, this massive workforce was that was going to work in there every yeah, day. Yeah, I related to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You did. And, and even though you've never seen I've, the movie. I know. I've never. Please don't email me about oh that. God. I have never seen Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Everybody it's Charlie else has. Charlie the Chocolate Factory um, is the name of the movie. Charlie the Chocolate Factory. Gene Wilder. Willy Wonka. I, I know everything about it because everybody else in America has seen it, so I don't have to see it. Anyway, the, the, the shipyard, our local shipyard, is a lot like the, the, the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory because... Um, a lot of people who don't work there have no idea what's going on in there. Like us. Like us. And that was, and as you were, as you started to say, and we're rudely interrupted by my, <laughs> <laughs> by you wanting to bring up again that I haven't seen the movie. Right. Um, <laughs> we don't know what's, we don't know what's going, we on, know there. What's and, going on there. And that led us to be curious about it That's and right. about the people who work in there. That's right. And lo and behold, they're not Oompa Loompas. Well, they're not. No, they are um, very. Uh, skilled men and women. Skilled men, men and women who love their jobs. Who love what they do. Um, thanks for listening to our podcast today. <laughs> what is the podcast called? Southgate Voices. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Let's do the commercials. Oh, gosh. Let's do the spots. Um, I'm not ready to do the spots. Are you? This podcast, uh, Southgate Voices, is brought to you by Heather Pear Photography. Go for it. Heather's a commercial photographer. Editorial. Editorial. All kinds of photography. Um, You can see her website at www.heatherperryphoto.com. Correct. And a lot of examples of her work are there. She's for hire. She doesn't do weddings. Um, Not because I think they're they're not awesome, but because it's really hard. You're afraid of Bridezilla. Um. Doing wedding photography you know, say no more. It's is very difficult, and I no, no, no. No one's my skills. No one's going to hold that against you. I am, no. www.heatherperryphoto.com. Okay. Uh, uh, Southgate Voices is also brought to you by... Swim Vacation. <laughs> Swim Vacation is a high-end adventure travel vacation for people who love the water. Both Hopper and I run these trips, and we guide people on open water swimming adventures 
in where tropical you, places. Where, uh, where do you live during this week? You live on a boat in the British Virgin Islands or in the Bahamas or in the Ionian Sea in Greece or, or in a private beachside home in, get ready, are you ready? Okay. Hawaii. Come on. And we go swimming every day? Every day, twice a day. And how do I find out more? www.swimvacation.com. Thank you. All photos by Heather Perry.